0: scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Alright, well good morning and welcome again to Lower Manhattan Community Church. My name is Jacob, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, if you're new or newish, I especially want to welcome you, glad you're here, and um, it's nice to see everyone. This is kind of a Sunday miracle. I At 10 o'clock, I went back to look at my notes, and there were about four people here, and sure enough, I come back out and people actually showed up, so... Glad you're here, even if it was a little bit late. Um, as Ryan mentioned, we're uh, we're in the middle of a series right now called Why Church Still Matters. And um, spoiler alert, the, it does matter. It still matters. Uh, we talked last week about uh, the fact that today, just in America, over 100 million people are going to gather for worship. 100 million people just in the United States on this day are going to gather for worship. So does the church still matter? Well, it at least still has some cultural relevance. 100 million people gather today to worship. Well, more importantly though, why does the church still matter? Because Christ himself is the one who established the church. The church isn't some man-made invention that we thought might be a a good strategy or something fun to do, Christ initiated the church. Uh, Last week we talked about Jesus saying to Peter, you're the rock, and on this rock I will build my church. It was Jesus' idea to have a church. And the church, when it's operating properly, is the body and the bride of Christ. Not a human invention, not something that we just want to do, Christ initiated it. It's, an, it's a living organism, it's his body, and it's his bride. And throughout this series, we're going to be looking at uh, the purposes of the church. And uh, we've looked at scripture, and we, th- we think that there's six main purposes, purposes of the church. There's probably more than six, there's probably uh, a lot, but um, six of the primary purposes we find in scripture, and the six purposes that we want to focus on as a church um, are these. Our purpose at Lower Manhattan Church is to help people turn toward God and one another, understand grace and truth, and serve with their abilities and gifts. So throughout this series, we're going to be looking at each one of those purposes, um, a week for each one, and really helping us to see why the church still matters through these six kind of essential purposes. And today we're looking at the very first one, to turn toward God. Our purpose as a church is to help people turn toward God. And theologically speaking, we we would be right to call that worship. Turning people toward God is worship. And uh, there's 100 million Christians meeting today just in the U.S. Worldwide, uh, there's over 2 billion Christians. And, you know, not everyone has a chance to to go to church. In some countries, uh, it's illegal. And uh, not everyone comes to church every week, but let's just say to be safe that today there, there's, over, there's over one billion people worshiping today. Two billion worldwide who claim to be Christians. Today there's about a one billion meeting and worshiping. And if you think about the average length of a church service, and in the U.S. it's maybe like an hour, but if you think about like the church in Africa or in China... These churches meet for several hours, three, four, five, six, seven hours uh, together in church on Sundays. So let's just average uh, throughout the world a a billion people meeting for worship, two hours average service time, and about half that time is spent in what we call worship, singing songs to God. So we have a billion people on earth today who are going to spend an hour of their time worshiping God, so I think it's safe to say that worship is pretty important, right? A billion hours will be spent today worshiping God. It's, it's kind of a big deal. It's something that's important. And I want us to spend some time together today um, talking about worship. And uh, what we're going to do with our time together is um, really look closely at Psalm 100 and a little bit at Psalm 95. Those are kind of the two... Uh, in some ways, the most important and, and thorough uh, scriptures on worship. And uh, through the lens of, of those psalms, we're going to be answering three important questions. Um, what is worship? Why is the church important to worship? And what is the fruit of worship? Uh, so that's kind of what we'll do today. Let's, let's start with a word of prayer. God... We just thank you that we can be here together today um, as a church community, as your body, and and as your bride. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help us to grasp the importance of your church, to see why church matters so much, and uh, especially today, God, help us to understand what you mean by worship God your intentions for worship, how we meaningfully engage in it. Uh, Lord, our, our desire is to worship you, uh, not just during this hour, God, but worship you with our whole lives. Lord, please uh, speak through me, speak in the, uh, the hearts of every person here today and grow us in what it means to, to turn toward you in worship. We pray this in Jesus' name. All right, so let's start with the the first question. What is worship? So I'm just going to throw out a a working definition and then we'll kind of uh, deconstruct it. But uh, worship is the act of submitting, I'm sorry, worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something with our entire being. Worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something with our entire beings. So let me, uh, let me read our main scripture again, uh, and then we'll kind of uh, work through that definition. Psalm 100, is just five verses. Shout for, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And then just an excerpt from Psalm 95. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something with our entire beings. So what I want to do, I'm going to to kind of work through this definition uh, backwards. So first of all, with our entire beings. That means that uh, we worship God with our mind, our emotions, and our will. All all of those things need to come together in order for worship to be sincere. So if we're looking at um, Psalm 100 here, our emotions, shout for joy, gladness, joyful songs, thanksgiving, praise. These are are our emotional expression to God. But also, our, our rational, know that the Lord is God. We worship God with with what we think about, with our intellect, we also worship with our will. Um, enter His gates, bow down, kneel. These are acts of obedience. These are acts of our will, and all these things are necessary. We're not engaged in true worship unless it's with our entire with our entire being. Uh, I know that like almost every time I, I preach, I, I give some kind of analogy of, of marriage. And I guess that's appropriate. If the church is the bride, it, there should be a lot of analogies with marriage. But think about like a, a marriage relationship where only one of these things are present. Like, What if you, you engage your wife only on an intellectual level? And you have really meaningful, theoretical conversations, but there's no emotion in the relationship. Or there's, you don't do anything. There's no will in the relationship. Your wife would be your colleague. It wouldn't be a, a marriage relationship. Well, th- this is what it means when, when we worship with our entire being. Our mind, our emotions, our will, all these things need to be present in order for it to be uh, true worship. And wh- let me just say a, a, a brief uh, caveat at this point, because maybe some of you are thinking, well, isn't, isn't worship just singing? Like, I don't, I'm kind of losing you with this definition here. Worship to me means we stand up and we sing five songs at church and, and that's it. Well, that's part of it. And if if you look at the book of Psalms, over 40 times Psalms tells us to sing to God. So singing is part of worship, but the act of singing is just giving expression uh, to a deeper reality. Uh, Singing is is giving a voice to this uh, commitment of our entire being. So worship is not just singing. Worship is the, the act of ascribing ultimate value to something with our entire beings. So that's the, that's the first part, with our entire beings. Um, but what about something? Why, why do I say ascribe ultimate value to something? I mean, we're in church. We kind of all kind of see where this is going, right? We know that, that something is, is God, right? That's what worship is, ascribing ultimate value to God with our with our entire beings. Well, the reason why I say something is because all of us are worshiping something, Obviously, we, we want that to be God, but the truth is, whether we realize it or not, we are all worshiping something. Uh, the thing that, that's most important in our life, whatever we give ultimate value to, uh, the thing that occupies our mind the most, the thing that we think about all the time, the thing that causes the most stress in our life, we're worshiping something. In fact, we're, we're created to worship. So if it's not God... It's something else. All of us are worshiping something. And this might kind of rub some of us the wrong way. I think a lot of New Yorkers would say, wait a minute, worship is a is a religious thing. I don't worship anything. But then you go to work for 70 hours a week. When you're home, you're on your BlackBerry all the time responding to emails. Your boss has the power to make your week or to, to make your week miserable. You're giving your work Ultimate value. You, whether you realize it or not, that's worship. You're worshiping your job. I think maybe even a more common one is is the worship of self. Uh, that's probably our, our default mode: is to worship ourselves. And uh, I, was, I was thinking about this about last month. I read a, a book called by uh, Frederick Nietzsche called "Why I Am So Wise," and I'm reading this and. I, I thought it was like satirical for, for the first 10 pages. I'm like, this guy is joking. It, it's a short book. It's only about 100 pages. But the whole book is saying why he is morally and intellectually superior to all of his contemporaries. No one else lives up to who he is. And he wrote a book about it. I mean, that, that's worship of self, right? I, I can't think of anything more, uh, more worshipful than a, an opus to yourself. So whether we realize it or not, all of us are actively engaged in worship. We're worshiping something. So when we say the pur- our purpose of a church as a church is to turn people toward God, uh, the idea is that we want people to go from worshiping something or other things and turn to the worship of God. That's what we mean. All right, so we've talked about your entire being. We've talked about something. Worship is the act of of ascribing ultimate value to God with our entire being. So what what does this mean, the act of ascribing ultimate value? It's kind of a a weird uh, way to say it. Um, I think ascribing is appropriate because we're not giving value to God, right? God God already has value. Uh, God is powerful. God is glorious. God has these attributes apart from our recognition of it. God doesn't need us uh, to impart glory on Him, but we're ascribing it to Him because we, we become aware of it. Uh, we recognize the true value of God. Uh, we, we stand in awe of it. In fact, the, the Hebrew word for worship is literally this word to, to bow down. It's a posture of, of submission that we take. So ascribing ultimate values, gaining an awareness of it, and allowing that value uh, to become the most important thing in our life. Um, this is kind of like a, a silly example, um, but some of you know, my wife works at Food & Wine magazine and one of the perks of the job is that occasionally she gets to bring home uh, free bottles of wine. So uh, she brings a, a bottle home a couple of weeks ago and we open it up and we're drinking it, like, oh, this is good. and Generally, what I do when Tony gets something for free is I go online and look it up just to see how much it costs, you know? So we're we're halfway through this bottle of wine, and I Google it, and it's like, whoa, this is a $50 bottle of wine, and the majority of our wine is Trader Joe's wine for $3. So $50 bottle of wine, all of a sudden Tommy and I are like, wow, this is great wine. This, this is so good. Yeah. We didn't... The, the taste of the wine didn't change, right? It was the same, but when we realized the, the value that it had, it took on a new meaning for us. It, it meant something different. And that's kind of the idea of ascribing value to God. Uh, God has these attributes already. We're not giving them to him, but we recognize them. We stand in awe of them. And in worship, we bow uh, before them. If you look on your insert um, next to number two, um, the second verse there from First Chronicles, It says, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Ascribing glory to God's name giving God the glory that is His due. In some ways, we, we owe God um, this glory. Uh, we, we owe it to Him to ascribe uh, the goodness of who God is. He has glory. He has strength. We're not imparting it to Him. We're ascribing it to Him. We're recognizing it in our own lives. And this helps us to see that God is actually the only one worthy of worship. All of us are going to worship something, but God is the only one who's truly worthy of our worship. If you look back at um, Psalm 100, our main text for today, uh, it says, The Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Worship is our response to God's activity and his identity. Worship is our response to God's activity and His identity. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. There's a history of God's goodness to humanity. God is the only one worthy of our worship because we can look at history and see that God is is good. God is worthy because He's proven Himself to us throughout history. Uh, If you look at uh, the first verse next to number 2, Uh, sing to Him, sing praise Him, tell of all His wonderful acts. Tell of all God's wonderful acts. If we look at the Old and the New Testament, if we look at church history, if we look at our own lives and the lives of the people around us, there there are many good things that are observable. There's a history of God's goodness and that makes God worthy of worship. But really, that's only part of it, right? We We can't only worship God because of what he's doing, that's kind of a a shallow form of worship. We also worship God because of his his identity. Um, God made us. We're his. If if you look at our our Psalms again, it it says, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And then again in Psalm 95, we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. God is the one who created us. We're God's people. His identity is as creator. Um, just by virtue of being God, God is worthy of our worship. I know, I know that's kind of circular logic, but just because of who God is, He's worthy of our worship. We can't only worship Him because of what He's doing now or what He's done before. God is God. We need to know that the Lord is God and because of, who, because of his identity, he's worthy of worship. Um, if you look at the third verse, next number two, from Psalm 150, it says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everything that has breath. So what's the, the criteria for giving worship to God? Being alive. If you're alive, you owe God worship. Just by virtue of having breath, God is worthy of our worship because of who he is. God already already has ultimate value. Um, Through our worship, we acknowledge, we recognize, we bow our minds, our hearts, and our wills before God and ascribe ultimate meaning to him in our lives and with our lives. Worship says that nothing is as important to me as God. So that's, that's kind of the, the definition of, of worship. Worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to God with our entire beings. Uh, but that doesn't really answer the question, why church still matters. That's kind of the, the overall question of our series, right? Uh, so we hear this definition of worship, and maybe we think, well, can't we do that on our own? Uh, can't we worship personally personally? So why does church still matter for worship? And I think there's, there's two reasons for this. Um, the first one, is, be, and maybe the more obvious one, is uh, we all need designated recurring time set aside specifically for the purpose of worship. We need time designated and recurring that's set aside for worship. Um, being a part of a church ensures that at least once p- per week, we have time set aside for worship. Um, When we're here together as a church, we ascribe ultimate value to God. So being a part of a church, at least once a week, together we ascribe ultimate value to God. Have you ever noticed how kind of idealistic worship music is? Um, I I wrote down just a few lyrics from some of the worship songs that I really enjoy. Uh, Listen to us. It says... Everything I once held dear, I counted all as loss. That's pretty idealistic, right? In view of God's mercy, I offer my all. Take my life, let it be, everything, all of me. Here I am, use me for your glory. Maybe a more classic one. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we get together on Sundays for worship, we're challenged, right? When we sing these words, I think we can be honest, we don't always fully mean them in our hearts, right? When we sing these words, uh, it's a challenge to us to strive toward that standard. Um, the, the songs that we sing are ascribing ultimate value to God, even though in our own lives we might not quite be there yet. So when we gather together, it challenges us. Here's the standard. Here's what we're going to work for in our own lives. We need that time together to be challenged. Um, In some ways, church is kind of like recharging our batteries, right? We, We come together and we worship and it energizes us. It lifts us up and we feel good. We feel like, yes, I can ascribe ultimate value to God with my entire being. But then throughout the week, we kind of lose energy, right? We kind of sink back to where we were before. And most of us probably can't last much more than seven days until we need kind of that that jolt again. So the church matters because it it recharges our batteries. Um, Another kind of image is that coming together once a week, it recalibrates our hearts. Uh, Our hearts should be uh, set squarely to God. Well, throughout the week, there's other things that are competing for our allegiance, other things that want to take ultimate meaning in our lives, and our hearts kind of start to shift. They move towards other things. Well, when we meet regularly and have that time set apart for worship, it reorients our hearts. It puts our hearts back squarely toward God. God. And we need that, right? We need designated recurring times set aside specifically for worship. So that's the first reason why church still matters for worship. Uh, The second reason uh, why church still matters is because the church community, the church uh, corporately, uh, it it ushers in true worship. Um, Is it possible to worship on our own? Well, yeah, it is. I mean, Really the goal is to worship with our whole lives and uh, we do that alone. But for whatever reason, uh, when we meet together uh, for worship, um, worship happens more easily and with more meaning. Um, when we get together corporately, something different happens, right? Uh, we have a, a more meaningful worship Experience when it's done in community. Uh, if you flip your insert over, uh, the first verse there next to the number three from, from the book of Exodus, it says, Then Moses entered the tent. The pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And then the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship. Each at his tent door. So, so what's happening here? Moses has an encounter with God and it causes everyone else to, to rise up and worship. So Moses is kind of the, the catalyst uh, for other people worshiping. And uh, I think maybe some of us can relate to that. I, I know I can relate to that. Um, you're worshiping together with a group of people and sometimes all it takes is one person. One person has this meaningful encounter and all of a sudden it spreads, right? Uh, So that one person who feels the Spirit of God, all of a sudden everyone in the room feels it too. Uh, That one person triggers a chain reaction and and you feel like you're in the presence of God. Meaningful worship is happening because of just one person or a small group of people. That's what we see here with Moses. Moses encounters God. Other people rise up and worship. I think worship uh, sometimes is kind of like a fire. Like if you think of one stick uh, on fire, it it doesn't burn very bright, it doesn't burn very hot, it doesn't burn very long. But if you think of a whole uh, bundle of sticks all burning together, it's much brighter, it's much hotter, and it it burns for much longer. That's kind of how I envision worship happening. And uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has their hands raised or... People are weeping. Sometimes worship happens like that. Um, personally, I don't, generally, I don't raise my hands in worship. I think what it means for me is, uh, like what John Wesley said, a, a strange warming of the heart. Uh, when we worship together, it, it ushers in true worship. Uh, we have a more meaningful and deeper worship experience when we do it together. Um, if you look at the second verse, there, next, to verse or next to number three, uh, from Matthew 18, it says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. Why won't Jesus be there with one person? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a a weird verse. I don't know why Jesus chooses to be there with two or three people where maybe he wouldn't be there with only one. But what Jesus is saying to his followers is that gather together. When you gather together, I will be there. God wants worship to happen corporately. God wants there to be a, a gathering of people. Uh, if we look again at, at Psalms on the on the front side of our insert, look at look at Psalm ninety-five. Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, for He is our God and we are His people. It's all plural, right? This this isn't individuals. This is a, a command to worship corporately. God has designed worship to happen corporately. I don't don't fully know why, but this is how God designed it to happen. Why does the church still matter? Because God designed worship to happen in the context of a gathered body of believers. God is the one who established the church as a place of worship. And it's been that place ever since the time of Christ. Today, a billion people, a billion people for at least an hour, are worshiping God. And this has been happening for the past 2,000 years. Ever since Christ initiated the church, it was a gathered body of people together worshiping. Worship happens in Christ's church because God designed it that way. All right, so we talked about um, the meaning of worship. The meaning of worship is uh, the act of ascribing ultimate value to God with our entire beings And we talked about why uh, church still matters, because for some reason, um, when we gather together corporately, uh, we have a a meaningful worship experience. Uh, The church still matters because we experience real worship together as God designed it. And we're either consciously or unconsciously, our hearts are turned back to God. We bow to him with our heart, our mind, and our will. Uh, So the third question is, what is the fruit of worship? Why do we do it? Why is it important? Um, Well, what the psalm says, uh, our our first reading, our main reading, it says, um, because we are his sheep. He is our shepherd. We are his flock. We are his people. The the fruit of worship is intimacy with God. The fruit of worship is, is closeness with our Creator. Um, If we look at uh, number four, the first verse from uh, the book of Colossians, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. When we ascribe ultimate meaning to God with our whole beings and God is truly the most important thing in our lives, the one that we worship. Christ will dwell in us richly. Christ will be present in our lives. And it, this verse specifically, what is, what is this verse talking about? It says, um, "Teach and admonish one another, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs." This is describing the church in worship, right? This is this is what we're doing today: teaching and singing hymns. This is the church in worship. When we, when we do this as God intended, Christ is going to dwell richly in us. That's the fruit of worship, is intimacy with God, closeness with God. Um, our last verse, next to verse 4, um, from the book of James, it says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. God is longing for, for us to draw near to Him. God is longing for the church to draw near to Him. And when we do that, God is going to draw near to us. God is going to be intimately present. God is going to dwell richly in our church collectively as His body and His bride, and also in us individually as His followers. This gathering, this church, inspires and empowers us to worship God with our whole lives. This church exists to turn people toward God, and that is worship. So what, is, what does this mean to you? This is this is, this is is the conclusion. Just pay attention for the next two minutes. This is where it all ends. What, is this, what does this message mean to you? Well, if you're here and uh, just kind of checking things out, uh, maybe you're not yet a believer, um, what this means is that the next step for you might be to ascribe ultimate value to God with your lives. Maybe, maybe you've never done that before. Uh, maybe you're kind of you, you've ascribed ultimate value to other things. You've you've ascribed that to work. You've ascribed that to friends, to achievement, and it's left you feeling unfulfilled. All of us are worshiping something, and if we're not worshiping God, we feel a void in our hearts. So if you've never ascribed ultimate value to God, I challenge you to do that today. Recognize that God is worthy of our worship and ascribe ultimate value to Him in your life today. Um, If you're here today and you're a new believer or or new to the church, uh, well, the next step for you might be to commit to attending corporate worship. Commit to being here on Sundays uh, because God designed for worship to happen that way. God intended for the church to be a gathering of people who collectively worship Him. It's a chance once per week for us to uh, remind ourselves that God is the ultimate value. It's a chance for us to to recalibrate our hearts on God and for that to sustain us for at least a week. So if, if you're new, a new believer, new to this church, I want to challenge you, at least for this series, there's only six more weeks. Be here every Sunday. Um, but also these are, these are the purposes of God's church. There are other churches. I'm not saying that in order to, to fulfill worship you have to be here, but you, you need to be at a church consistently. That's how God designed the church to function. Uh, so finally, if you're a, a regular attender, if you're a, a long-time Christian, what does this message mean to you? Um, it's a challenge for you to really worship God with your entire being. I think that if, if we really look at ourselves, if we're really honest, we know there's other things competing for ultimate value in our lives. We, we maybe have been Christians for 20 years or 50 years. Those other things still compete for ultimate value. It's important that we uh, focus on worship because there's a lot of other things that are trying to get us to worship them. So if, if you're already a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a long time, uh, focus on giving God his right place, giving him the place of ultimate value in your life. All of us are going to worship something. It's my hope and my prayer that all of us will worship God with the entirety of our being. Let's pray. Father, you you truly are worthy of our worship, God. Lord, not just because of your goodness and your faithfulness, God, you're you're worthy of worship just by virtue of who you are, God. You're the creator and sustainer of the universe, God. All glory and power is yours. Lord, we are are created for worship and God, help us to cast off any false idols, God. Lord, you deserve the ultimate value in our lives, God. And It's my prayer that, that we'll actively ascribe ultimate value to you, God, with our entire beings. Lord, help us understand worship. Help us, um, help us to be a church that turns people towards God, uh, that leads people into genuine worship, not just here on Sundays, God, but worship uh, every day of our lives. Uh, Lord, we, we believe that the purpose of this church is to turn people to God. and uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would allow us to do that. Help us to really be your body and your bride. and uh, Lord, over the next several weeks, as we uh, talk about why church still matters, uh, help us to really embody these purposes of the church. Uh, We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.